I hadn't started this place, I probably would have ended up putting floor drains in, in my garage because <laughs> that's how serious I was about it. That's Tom Zuber of Demented Brewing Company in Middlesex, New Jersey. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. My name is Freddie Clark. Insanely flavorful ales is the motto of Demented Brewing Company. And as you will soon hear, Tom Zuber started out seriously homebrewing with the goal of creating a yearly rotation of beers with a lot of flavor. And it's a plan he took with him when he built his brewery in 2015. One of Demented's flavorful ales is their flagship beer, Scarlet Night, an American Amber Red Ale, which is a good place to start this week's show. American Amber Ale is a term that was first introduced by startup American brewers in the 1980s as a way to describe their beer to consumers. It quickly became a formal style name because, you see, early on, Amber Ale was mainly a color description, and there was a lot of confusion with Irish Red Ales, Scottish Ales, ESBs, and even German Alts. It took a little while, but a formal style description came to be for American Amber that really set it apart. American Amber Ale will have the aroma and flavor of American hops, but its malt sets it apart from its pale or brown American cousins. Two-row malt forms the base, but then medium to dark-colored caramel or crystal malts will make up about 10% to give it a notable caramel to toffee flavor. This affects not only the mouthfeel, but the sweetness in its taste. The darker black roasted or chocolate malts are going to be avoided in this style so as not to have their heavier flavors become involved. The American part comes from the American hops, and depending on the brewer's approach, the hop character will alter to present more or less of the malty sweetness on the palate. Usually they come in at around 30 to 40 IBUs and can vary in their ABVs from about 4.5% to as high as around 6. You can check out Scarlet Night as a good example of an American amber. At Demented, we tried a couple of their other beers when Tom and I sat down in their taproom to talk about his journey from being a home brewer to opening his own brewery about three years ago. You started home brewing when exactly? Um, probably in uh, 2008, 2009. Okay. Um, yeah, it was right after I got married, bought our house, started uh, started home brewing. I, the first time I brewed was actually at the Brewer's Apprentice in Freehold. Okay. I uh, went there yep. with a friend of mine from college, and uh, we brewed there. And then that was the year I bought my house, the year before I got married. And then it took us a whole other year to do it again, but we decided to, to try it at home, and we, we did it in my backyard. What did you brew at Brewer's Apprentice? This. Um, it was a, I think it was like a Sierra Nevada pale ale like pale. clone. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, it was good. It, yeah. it came out well, you know, and then we said, you know what, let's just, let's try this at home. And okay. I started doing it, loved it. And the first thing I brewed at home was, um, I, I actually created the recipe myself. It was, uh, a, um, supposed to be a bass ale type clone um mm -hmm. drank a lot of bass ale in college <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah and uh and then i just loved it and so started second, doing it second time you brewed first time you brewed at home you were already creating your own recipes yeah all right yeah. that's pretty impressive i i never well except for when we brewed at brewer's apprentice I, i've never used a, a kit or anything like that and then never used a pre-made recipe always just nope. Did it on your own. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So brewing was not the original plan, and I'm always interested in how people get to where they are. 
So what was the original plan? Like when you got out of when you went to when you went to college, got out of college, what was what, what were you going to do? Oh, well, I um what did you do? So I I actually started working while I was in college. Okay. Um so after my freshman year of college, I started uh, Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken mm-hmm. as a chemical engineer, <laughs> believe okay. it or not. And then well, that makes uh, sense. It yeah, makes, yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I kind of went back towards that yeah. a little bit. Um but it was um I I got a job after my freshman year as an intern working in uh, for a day trading company and uh, just it was in computer science like help desk type stuff and I loved it they offered me a full-time job I took it and Mm -hmm. uh, left Stevens and I finished my degree nights and weekends at St. Peter's College in Jersey City okay so I was already I was already working for a good four years before I even left college okay um and uh and I just continued down that path. You know, I, I moved actually from help desk into um, network um, operations and then into network engineering and then into eventually into software engineering where I stayed for the rest of my career mm-hmm. in, uh, in technology. And always bounced around in this area, in the New York, New Jersey yeah. area? Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're doing it at home. How long did you brew at home before the you thought, wow, this could really be, this could really be a thing for me. I would say it was, it was probably about four or five years. Okay. Um, we, I, I actually formed Demented or Zuber Brewing Company legally in uh, June of 2013. Okay. That's when I became serious about it. I formed the company. Um, at the time, we didn't even have a name for it yet. That's why it, so it was, it was just, Zuber, just Zuber Brewing Company. Okay. Our, so it's still the same company, but our DBA is Demented, Demented. Brewing Company. Okay. Uh, you know, and so I sat down, took about a year to, to write a business plan. And then um, in 2014, got serious about it, started looking at spaces. Took us about nine months to find the space that we're in now. Okay. And, uh, and then, you know, things just... Thanks for started. All right. Well, let's just let's, we're going to back up a little bit, and we'll come back to we'll come back to where we're sitting right now. But so you started brewing on your own, like in two, at home in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and then two thousand thirteen is when you do the business plan. I'm guessing there was a lot of success in between those years, as far as the brewing, as oh, yeah. far as home brewing went, and to think that yeah, this is something I definitely want to do. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was. Uh, an active member in a homebrew club uh, based out of Woodbridge. Uh, it's called the uh, the Wells. Um, they're based out of JJ Beddings in Woodbridge. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was involved with them um, pretty heavily. Competed at a homebrew level. Uh, won a few medals um, on the homebrew side of things, and uh, just uh, loved it. You know, it was. I, I can honestly say I never made a beer that I had to throw out. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, good. You know, that's which, impressive. Which yeah. was good. That's good. Um, but yeah. What, what styles were you playing with then? I mean, were you were you running the gamut? Were you doing a lot of different things? Did you find yourself honing in on one specific style? Or how I, you- I was doing a little bit of everything. Okay. I, you know, my home brewing style is is very s- similar to the our style of brewing here mm-hmm. at Demented. You know, I brewed for the seasons. So my favorite okay. season to brew for was the fall because mm-hmm. we had, I would do my Oktoberfest, my pumpkin ale. Um, I used to do a Hefeweizen, a Dunkelweizen, um, a, a Bach, a Doppelbach. And in the winter, I would brew more stouts. In the spring, you know, I'd 
I'd, I'd be doing wheats and IPAs, summer again, wheats, IPAs, fruit beers, sours, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of a little bit of everything. So you were already had that cycle going. Yeah. Even at home. Yep. What kind of kit did you have at home? So I started out with um, a five gallon uh, or no, it was a 10 gallon Blickman uh, kettle, uh, mm-hmm. stainless steel kettle. Um, I started out doing extract brewing and then that quickly developed into um, using a cooler for a mash ton and, and going all green. Mm-hmm. And then I upgraded that whole system to um a Blickman top tier system with uh, three twenty-five uh, gallon stainless steel kettles. Um, I had a um, upright freezer that was temperature controlled in my garage that I used for all my fermentation. Okay. So I, I had good temperature control, which is one of the most important things in, in brewing. Cleaning, sanitation, and temperature control are really the three most important things. Um, and then. Uh, um, you know, I, I had my system, my brewing system out in my garage. It was all natural gas. I had the gas line in the garage, brewed in the garage, fermented in the garage. The garage was kind of my my, my home brewery. You know? There was no car in that garage. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Usually it isn't. If in you're fact, if, in I, if I hadn't started this place, I probably would have ended up putting floor drains in, in my garage because <laughs> that's how serious I was about it. Right. Now, is that is the garage still like that? Is there still? a homebrew kit in the garage? No, no. no? It, it all got moved here. The, okay. The, my homebrew system eventually um, when we started here became our pilot system. Okay. We've upgraded that system since then. But so the the homebrew system it's still here but it's kind of like in pieces. We've It's gotten parted out and okay. it's, but it's it's still all here at the brewery. Right. In just in different one way or another. <laughs> okay. You know. Gotcha. Okay. So so 2013 you start to write the business plan and it seems like that year, 2012, 2013, because of the law changes, was a very um, pivotal year for a lot of New Jersey brewers. Absolutely. Um, but before we started, you said something that I found really interesting is that you actually started brewing and distributing a few months, maybe five months before you opened the tap room. Yeah. So that's a, a little bit different than most of your contemporaries. Right. In that, you know, the tap room is everything. Right. The tap room, well, not everything, but most of the income is coming in from the tap room. Absolutely. Especially when you're small. I mean, it was always our intention to distribute. And okay. what, what ended up happening was we, we just got delayed with the tasting room in terms of um, having to go to the planning board in town um, to get approval to to do this. And then there were all the renovations that went into this. We we just fell behind. We had our license. We were in a a position to start distributing in May and generating at least some revenue. Okay. So that's why that came before the tap room. Gotcha. Ideally, I would have loved to open the tap room in May as well. Yeah. So, but when you're, when you're starting out, and, and this is because everybody seems to make their they'll, they'll open their tap room, they'll make a name for themselves, and then start going around and little by little starting to distribute. When you were opening and realized I have to distribute first, what was that like? I mean, what what goes into that? Because you're new, right. you know. Most people are not going to know, you know. Maybe you know, maybe some friends and family type of scenarios, but yeah. most people aren't going to know demented beer from 
I know it at all. Yeah, at no, this point. I, yeah, absolutely. So it was it was a lot of hustle. A lot you of know? hustle. Like, yeah, okay. and I, I did it all myself at that point. Okay. Um in October of twenty fifteen we got a distributor. So they, they, they do all of that for us now. But uh for the first six months I was going out and samples going to mm-hmm. bars, talking to bar managers, uh, bar owners, um, and uh, just sampling our product and trying to get our beer in there. Um, we didn't distribute that much because when we first opened, we only had two 10-barrel fermenters. And okay. most of that beer was supplying the tap room. We had, before we signed with Hunter in, in um, October of 2015, we had about 40 accounts that we distributed to. That's, that's a good number to, to have hustled yourself. Yeah. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty big number to have hustled yourself. Now we've been in over 900 throughout, throughout New Jersey. Right, so, right. you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot different. Right, it's a lot <laughs> different. But, still, but 40 to, I mean, I guess that was, was that now, was that draft at the time? Were you canning yet? It was all draft it initially. Was all draft there, initially. Was, okay. there was no packaged. We didn't start packaging until um, December 2016. Okay, so even when you were with Hunterdon for a year, yeah, you were still all draft. So it was mm-hmm. all going into bars and yeah, yeah, because we we weren't at a point where we were able to purchase our own canning line or um, work with a mobile canner because at the time the only mobile canner was was Ironheart, and they had a thirty barrel minimum for us to can, and we weren't in a position to be doing thirty barrels and okay. at a time at that point. Okay. By the end of twenty sixteen, we were. And we were able to, to start working with Ironheart. We worked with them for about uh, a year and a half. And then we, we just recently got our own canning line. Okay. All right, cool. So you're, you write the business plan and you don't have a name. Where, where did the name Demented come from? So I was trying to figure out how to tie uh, New Jersey into the theme of the brewery somehow. Mm-hmm. I thought of stories when I was a kid that I heard about the Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. Um, that led me to Weird New Jersey, um, okay. who's written quite a bit about yep. the, the folklore and everything. Um, and then I like the name Weird, but I'm like, I can't use Weird, you know, because it's already <laughs> taken. And uh, so I threw it into a thesaurus and Demented popped out and I liked it. Okay. Um, you know, and we just went with it. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's that's as good a name, way to name. Now, is that the, looking at the logo, is that... Is that the Jersey Devil? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's the Jersey Devil on each side. Our artist's representation of what he thinks the Jersey Devil would look like. That's the that's the side profile, and this is the uh, that's the front profile. Okay, your tattoo on your forearm. Okay, <laughs> yep. there you go. Well, too, we're, we're audio, but he has a tattoo. Um, okay, so when you decided you you wanted to open a brewery, what was your thinking about being standing out? Right, because I'm, I'm I'm guessing every it seems that everybody has their own take on what it means to be a brewer, right? Especially in New Jersey, especially you know in in this re, know, renaissance of brewing that has happened since 2012, 2013. What what did you want Demented to be when you envisioned it? Well, um, let our our slogan is insanely flavorful ales. Um, but the way I like to best describe it is, is seasonally inspired, insanely flavorful ales. And I okay. think what makes us unique is that we're constantly brewing 
new batches, new pilot batches, um, seasonals that we only brew once a year. Um, we release a new beer every week, every Friday. Um, so it, it keeps what we're doing here in the tasting room fresh and it keeps mm -hmm. people coming back. It keeps people um, coming in every few months to try the new beers that, that we have on tap. Um, and uh, I think that's really what kind of sets us apart from everybody else in the state. That's that's a lot of new beer a week. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it can be challenging. And don't get me wrong. There have been weeks where we just didn't have a beer ready and <laughs> we had to skip a week. But, okay. um, you know, it's for the most part, what we try to do is is do a big release one week and then a pilot release the next and kind okay. of alternate those. Our pilot system's only two barrels. So when we do a, a pilot um, release, we, we don't do any growler or crowler fills of it to go. You can only get it here. Okay. Um, you know, and then the, the bigger ones, you know, we all, we do the, the to go. Okay. Uh, well, how big is your full production system? Our production system is 15 barrels. Okay. Um, and then right now we have a mix of 10 barrel and 30 barrel fermenters back there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can have how many fermenters? Uh, six total. Well, six. Se nice. seven, including the pilot. Okay. But so you can, so you can have six beers, yeah. six, seven beers working through the system at any one time. Yep. Okay. Now, so distributing now, you are canning. Mm -hmm. um, I know which cans I've seen, and I've seen two out in the wild. It's uh, it's the Gallows Hill and the Scarlet Knight. Are those the only two you're canning right now? No, we've canned a lot of other stuff. There's yeah. actually okay. um, our we don't have it on tap right now in the tasting room because it, it, we we just went through it so quickly. But a Star Day is our strawberry cream ale. It's kind of a spring summer seasonal okay. for us. Um, it's our biggest seasonal beer that we put out um, over the course of the year and. Um, there are cans of a Star Day on shelves right now. This year, we've only canned uh, Gallows, Scarlet Knight, and a Star Day so Star far. Day. But, okay. but last year, we did uh, Be Real, which is our Kiwi IPA, uh, Voodoo, which was our Lemon Drop IPA, um, Wrath, our Russian Imperial Stout. Um, trying to think if there was anything else that we did last year. I think that those were the well, everything we released in cans last okay. year. Oh, Double Dementia. The, our, our original double IPA um, that went out in cans and uh, but we do have we, what we're also trying to do is do smaller in-house can releases so within the next you know few months you're going to start seeing a lot more maybe we're, we're going to try to do it maybe every other week where we do an in-house can release maybe 50 cases um, that is just available here okay so. okay now what led you to with those three what what i mean i'm guessing these are beers you brewed for a while mm -hmm. and they kind of grew into being your flagships they did yeah when, when we first opened we we uh we were only brewing one beer we 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 started out brewing uh double dementia uh which is our west coast uh ipa and uh double ipa i should say mm -hmm. um and you know we've we kind of um we developed new recipes as we went along. Scarlet Night was the next one. Um, Gallows Hill came shortly after that. Um, we still get asked a lot about Dementia, which was the single IPA version, and Double Dementia, the double IPA, where they went, when, you know, when, <laughs> when they're coming back. But the, the unfortunate truth of the matter is, you know, the, the market's changed since we okay. opened. And now every, everything's about these juicy IPAs, you know, these juicy New England style IPAs. And um, 
we had to, you know, conform so, to, to what the market demanded. So you know, the so. traditional West Coast IPA was not was not selling enough to make it to keep it viable. No, it wasn't. That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. I know that I know that New England is big, and and I like New England's, and nothing to take away from New England styles, but you you know you think traditionally when you think IPA, you think of that West Coast style, clear, piney, hoppy, mm-hmm. traditional IPA. Yeah, and it's amazing to me that it just wasn't it wasn't cutting it financially to keep doing it. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I'm not saying we we couldn't move it if we wanted to, but I think there's more opportunity out there mm-hmm. with, with some of these new New England styles. Yeah, mean, that's just amazing to me because I, yeah. you know, I know they're big, but just that that they are that big mm-hmm. that are pushing the West Coast off, you know, off the taps. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yep. pretty wild. That's pretty wild. So tell me about Scarlet Night. So that's a red ale. Scarlet Knights are American red ale. Um, it's um, it's nice. It's got um, it's a very malty beer. Um, it's got a, a nice roast finish. It's well balanced. Um, we use a, a lot of Columbus and Chinook hops in there that really balance out the malts. Um, it's it's a really great beer. It it pairs well with a lot of different foods. Um, I say you could pair it really with just about anything, mm-hmm. um, which is what I love about it. But um, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of our flagship beer. Um, it was the second beer that we ever release, and it's definitely the biggest distributable beer that we have right now. Okay. Now, when somebody comes in and like, if they are if they say they're not a craft beer drinker. Is that what you would send them to, being that it's a little bit more malty? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. Honestly, it depends on what's on the board at the time. Okay. Um, yeah, sometimes it will, we'll send them Scarlet Night, but um, I think I mentioned to you before we started, we have Hometown Hero, which is our Pilsner Lager, coming out on Friday. That I would probably recommend before mm-hmm. Scarlet Night when it's on the board. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, there may be, you know, wheat, you know, and or, or uh, Hefeweizen or something like that, you know, to somebody who doesn't normally drink craft. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but in general, um, if there's nothing like, you know, Hometown Hero or, you know, Litha, which is our all citra wheat, um, you know, I would, I would recommend the Scarlet Night. Okay. I am, I am... I do find it very interesting that you do have a a pretty wide range rather than, you know, you have some IPAs up here, but you are, you do have a sour Mm -hmm. on the board right now. Um, You know, sours can be very challenging. How did you, how do you approach when you do a sour? How do you approach it? Because it can be, can be a hard beer to brew. Yeah, I, well, we do, do two different types of sours. Okay. One, one is a kettle sour, um, which we we've been using a yogurt strain and the the lacto that's in the yogurt strain to uh, um, to sour the beer in the kettle prior to it being boiled with hops. So, the nice thing about kettle sours is all the lacto gets boiled off in the boil process before it hits any of the cold side fermenters. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about infection okay. um, and cross-contamination between clean beers and sours. Um, 
Donner's Oak, which is the, the only uh, barrel-aged sour we have on the port, is, is a whole different story. There's actually live bacteria in, in that beer still. Uh, that was fermented and aged in, uh, in a uh, bourbon barrel that previously held our Russian Imperial Stout. Um, a lot of our sours we do in uh, white or red wine barrels, mm-hmm. um, but we, uh, you know, everything is... is fermented in the barrel for that reason because we won't, we don't want to contaminate right. our stainless right um and uh when we do have to package from stainless with a, a beer that has um live bacteria in it we like we actually have a separate set of gaskets and everything that that we've flagged sour okay. that we that and we'll change out all the gaskets um and we that way we don't cross contaminate anything because you know even if it some, something is a little porous it it'll hold on to that bacteria yeah. and and potentially contaminate future batches so yeah because yeah, you don't i mean you i'm just starting now to see sours in new jersey like mm-hmm. i mean there's a few places that are really starting to, that are doing it almost exclusively now but you don't see a lot of them generally mm-hmm. you know in 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 the in the breweries that are doing a lot of other things because it can be so can be so catastrophic yeah if something goes wrong yeah. you know if, they, if you get the contamination so you're coming up on three years now mm-hmm. so what what do you have planned for the third anniversary of of the tap room so the the, we used to actually celebrate both anniversaries, but this year we said, you know <laughs> okay. what, it's too much. We so we're only celebrating the the anniversary of the tap room opening. Um, we're celebrating it on August nineteenth, and we're releasing um, Wrath, our Russian Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels. That was the first barrel aged beer that we ever released, um, along with three different variants of that beer, the, the barrel aged beer. Um, it'll be available. All of them will be available on draft and in uh, in twenty two ounce bombers. Okay. How often do you when you use a barrel when you use a uh, bourbon barrel? How often will you reuse it? So we we only ever use a barrel for a beer once. Okay. Now, so so that when we get our fresh bourbon barrels, we'll use them the first time for wrath. Okay. Realistically, we're never going to get that same character out of that barrel. Mm-hmm. So we we won't use it again for that same beer, but we would repurpose it for a different beer. Okay. Donner's Oak. Okay. So, so the first year we use the, our bourbon barrels, Wrath goes into them. Okay. Then the, after those barrels are emptied, we'll brew Donner's Oak, and then we'll start to ferment and age the sour in that barrel that previously held wrath okay um and it, it's really interesting because you get some of the bourbon you get some of the russian imperial stout character you get um the oak uh and then the complexity of the sour it's it's a really interesting beer so uh, this is gallows hill it's our new england style ipa um this is another one of our one of our two beers that we have available year round uh the first being scarlet night which we already talked about and then uh gallows hill the the new england style ipa it's crazy how the this style has really blown up over the last year or so. Um, it's just it's it's a hazy, juicy IPA that doesn't have a whole lot of bitterness to it. Um, this beer clocks in at forty IBUs. I don't even think it tastes like it's a forty IBU beer. Um, it's just it's it it drinks like kind of like orange juice. Yep, it definitely um, does. 
definitely does. And this was I, this was the first beer of yours that I found, you know, in my local store. Yeah, and 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 tried it. We've actually reformulated it. Uh, quite a bit. Um, we've we've removed a lot of the the darker malts we were using in it, which has lightened up the color, and we changed the yeast strain we use. Um, just recently, within the last two months, we've changed the yeast strain and it's improved significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, I'm really happy with the way this beer is is coming out now, and uh, I think it's you know it's here to stay and it's here to stay the way it is now. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So when you you were doing draft and you had, you're canning. What are you distributing more of today? Cans or the draft? Last year, it was, I think we were definitely doing more cans. Yeah. This year, it's changed. Really? Yeah, the market has changed a bit. We're not distributing nearly as many cans. Um, we're distributing mostly draft, believe huh. it or not. Um, but uh, it's... You know, I don't know. It, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are so many more players yeah. in the market now. You know, when we opened, we were, I believe, the 36th brewery in the state. And now uh, now there's over 100. 100, yeah. So um, it's really uh, kind of interesting. But it's interesting that it's affecting, it's hitting the can more than even the tap. Yeah. You know, that that is, because... I, w- I would guess that there's more shelf space than there are tap handles available. And I could be wrong. I, mean, I definitely could be wrong. But it would just seem that shelf space would be easier to get than, than, than tap space, than draft yeah, space. Yeah, maybe. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I'm just, just thinking out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, but we've seen a decline in our in our package sales this year. Huh. Um, and then draft is kind of, you know, on par with what we were doing last year. Okay. Well, I guess a lot more people too are canning. Yeah. You know, there's not, not just that there's more players, but you do see a lot of cans of beers that you would only find in draft mm-hmm. or at a tap room. Yeah. yeah. No, yep. that's, that is very good. Now, do you play with? I know you don't play. You you've locked in now for the, after two months. You've locked in this recipe, but then will you play with it by adding other things to create different beers? Um, so no, we we no. When, when we when we create a new beer, we create a new beer from scratch. Okay. Um, but that's not to say like we we do every Tuesday we have a cask that we put out at the bar. So we might you know take this take Gallows Hill and condition it, cask condition it with some other ingredients okay. and have a gallus hill cask okay yeah you know. right. and then i see you got a, a randall too so you'll do different things on the randall yeah the scarlet night on trail mix has been on for a while that's uh the randall's in the the walking box so it, it just the trail mix sits in the randall and then the beer comes out of the keg passes through the randall on its way to the tap okay. um and then uh but we're actually switching it up i believe we're going to be doing bargaining chip or pale ale uh, on some whole leaf hops. I think, you know, bargaining chip has, is it's a combination of Cascade and Simcoe lupulin powder. So I think the guys are going to try to get some, uh, some whole leaf Cascade or Simcoe okay. to put in the Randall. All right. Now as the, as the owner, are you still, are you still doing all the brewing or have you brought no, some? No, 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 no. I, no. in fact, I, 
I mean, I've helped out. I, okay. and I, I still help out on canning days and, and, you know, I help out whenever they need it. But um, I've got two full time brewers oh, okay. um, that, that work for me. Okay. And then I've got another guy who spends part of his time back in the brewery um, doing production management. And then the other part of his time here in the tasting room. OK, so you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But which do you which is more fun, being a brewery owner or being a brewer? Um, I miss brewing yeah. sometimes, okay. you know, and, and I, it, I kind of, uh, sometimes I, I, I think about maybe going back there and at least doing something on the pilot system, maybe, you know, just screwing around and, right, right. you know, coming up with something. But, uh, I enjoy being an owner more than, than actually brewing, especially on the scale. Yeah. I, okay. uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm. I'm more into the experimental kind of stuff and okay. development okay. rather than, you know, actually shoveling out a 15 pound mash ton. That's the I'll be honest. <laughs> my back, my back can't handle it. <laughs> you don't like cleaning stainless anymore? No. <laughs> I, that's, that's the, the cleaning is the, the biggest thing that I don't miss about, go. about brewing. Thank you, Tom. You can visit Demented Brewing at 600 Lincoln Boulevard in Middlesex, New Jersey. Check out DementedBrewing.com for taproom. Check out DementedBrewing.com for taproom hours and more info. As always, you can check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a comment at the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. Cheers at SantePhoto.com. That's cheers at S-A-N-T-E-P-H-O-T-O.com. We've also got a new Instagram account, and I'll be getting stuff up there soon. It's at OverBeersPod. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer, but I'll be back real soon with more conversations over beers.